2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's only one verse I would like to look at. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Only one verse that I would like to look at in, in this particular text is verse 21. When you find it, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21, verse 21, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21, verse no way I could do this verse justice, so pray with me. And it reads from, I have King James Version, and it reads as such. For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The thought I want to talk to you about is the cost of our salvation. The cost of our salvation. It costs something in order for you to be saved. Whether you have received it or not, it still costs something so that there would be availability for you to be saved. Father, even now, hide me behind your shikanda glory. And allow them not to see me, but to see you. Lord, let us see you. Allow your glory to flash before us. That it may take us to the next level of walking in your glory. Father, I am convinced that we don't see enough of Jesus. So I pray that there would be a Paul experience. That as he was on the road of Damascus, that your glory knocked him off his horse. Father, show us your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm convinced that if I was to take a poll, even among those that are Christians, we don't know the essence of what Christianity is really all about. We were bringing a lot of church stuff. We were bringing a lot of tradition. We, we were bringing a lot of ritual. But, but to really be able to, 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 to consensely, to, to, to concisely put in one sentence what this thing is really all about, many of us will have a difficult time of doing that. We will bring in secondary stuff and leave out the primary thing. We would talk about everything else but, but the person who really won our salvation. When I look at this text, I, I think that the gospel is nailed here. It's nailed down into its elementary parts. 
it shows us really what it's all about because, because unless you see through all the mess, unless you see through all the church stuff, unless you, unless you see through all the folks who claim to be Christians, unless you see through all the rituals and all the acts and all the, all the stuff, Church will make you quit and sit down and never come back. But when you know who you really serving, when you understand what he has done for you, it really doesn't matter what anybody else have to say. You are determined that you're going to serve him with it. Somebody said, I, I was preaching, Reverend Ingram made a comment to me. I said, man, can I use that? He said, yeah, man, it's not mine. He said, man, while you was preaching last week, he said, something hit me. I said, what hit you? He said, he said this is really about the king and his kingdom. Listen, it's really about a king and the subjects that's been called into his kingdom. It's really about a relationship between us and our God. And when we begin to add anything more to that, we begin to miss the picture. And instead of exalting Jesus, we bring Jesus down because the only way that we can have a relationship with our God is through Jesus Christ. And when you recognize that all of your blessings, that your salvation is really the cost that he paid for you, all of a sudden, can't nobody stop you from praising him. Can't nobody shut you up. Matter of fact, you praise him at times when it's not convenient. When you begin to understand that he didn't have to do it, but he did. It makes you, it makes you, it makes you, it makes you. Listen to this text. Listen as Apostle Paul writes to us. He says, for, for he, who is he talking about when he says he? For God. God, did you know that God, that God, the Godhead thought of this thing about salvation before he made us? Did you know that God knew that Adam was going to fail and sin was going to enter into the world? Did you know that God knew how jacked up and messed up you and I was going to be? Listen, I think if it was me, if I would have saw me, I would have said, I ain't sending my son for him. Matter of fact, don't laugh too loudly. Because if the truth be known, if it was you, I don't think if you would have saw how jacked up this world would be, I don't think you would have sent your son. But God did not start at the beginning. God went to the end. God did not start at Genesis chapter 1. He started at Revelations, the last chapter in Revelations. And he worked his way back to Genesis chapter 1. Hold on, hold on. But why did he do that? Because God wanted to make sure that the outcome he wanted was going to come out that way. So regardless what you say, I say, they say, whoever says, God's going to
to do exactly what he said he's going to do when he's going to do it. He says, for he who God. The plan of our salvation was thought of in the mind of the Godhead before he ever started Amen. creating. It wasn't an afterthought. He already had it all planned out. Before he said, let there be, God had already worked out what he was going to do to save you and I. And he knew at the beginning that it was going to cost something, a cost that you and I couldn't pay. They came up with this ideal together. God administrated it. Jesus executed it, and the Holy Spirit sealed it. Man, you mean that no matter how bad we been, preacher, no matter how messed up all the stuff I did, all the stuff I said, God still had a plan to save me? Oh, yes, he did. One young, one young man was talking to me, and he, we was talking about Jesus. And he said, I, he said, tell me something. I said, what? He said, I don't understand why God would send his son to save us. Why would he allow him to go to the cross? I said, it's called love. <laughs> he shook his head, still said, I don't understand. I said, man, do you, do you got a child? Do you got a son? Do you got a daughter? I said, if you did. And it cost you your life to save them. You know what you would do? You would give up your life in order for them to live. Well, and the motivation behind you doing that is because you love them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if you go to the next verse, he sent him not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Now, notice what he said. He gave and sent at the same time. He gave him to us. And he sent him to us. At the appropriate time, God told his son that I want you to become one of them. I know we created them, but now it's time for you to become one of them so that you can feel what they feel. That you can hear what they hear. That you can see what they see. So that you can be tempted just like them. But instead of falling like they fell, instead of sinning like they sinned, you're going to do for them what they couldn't do for themselves. What the devil got them. The devil won't get you. Why? Because though you're going to be fully man, you're still going to be fully God. Hold on. You know what's so awesome? In no other religion does it show a God that loves us that much. In every other religion, it's what you do for him. In Christianity, it's what he done for us. I want you to know that your salvation cost him something. It's a cost that we couldn't pay. It's a penalty that we didn't want to pay. But thanks be to God that he loved us to the place 
that he sent his only begotten son to do for you and I what we could. For he hath made him. How can I say this? I guess the only way I, I can say it is just to say it. Notice that it doesn't say that we did anything. God did everything. And God, when Jesus was on the cross, did an exchange. Most people don't understand that our God is a holy God. Yes, he's love, but he's holy too. His holiness says that for the penalty of not sins, but sin. One sin. The penalty is spiritual death. Separation from God. For one sin. Adam, the day that you disobey, you shall surely die. Here they are in the garden and they take of the fruit and neither one of them fell dead physically, but they fell dead spiritually. And every child that was born from a man was born spiritually dead. I hear somebody say, but what about Jesus? Well, he wasn't born of a man. He was born of a woman, but the Holy Ghost impregnated Mary. So therefore, he didn't come out of a man. So sin didn't pass down to him because God gave the commandment to Adam and not to Eve. When Eve ate, nothing happened. But when Adam ate, everything happened. I don't care how cute your baby girl is. I don't care how handsome your little boy is. If you don't correct them sometimes, they're going to grow up to break your heart. Johnny, you been the cookies, crumbs on the floor, crumbs on the table, crumbs across his lips. She is cute as a button and cusses. Don't act like that's not true, y'all. Matter of fact, some of y'all got to hold your baby's mouth because if you don't, in church, they be... But I wonder where they get that from. We pass it down. We pass it down. And if we be honest with ourselves, all has fallen short. That's why no matter how good we are, our offering of our, uh, of our own righteousness isn't good enough. God had to intervene on those he loved. God had to move in on our territory to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. God saw you. God saw me. God saw us and saw that unless he saved us, there was no salvation possible. God made a move. 
He waited to the perfect time. He stepped down 42 generations, impregnated a lady called Mary, a little girl called Mary, a young lady called Mary, grew up a son, wrapped him up in human flesh. And though he looked like us, though, though, though he talked like us, though he walked like us, he wasn't like us. Listen to the text. He says, for he made him who knew no sin. The Old Testament showed that the Israelites would gather together once a year and a high priest would come and a high priest would lay his hands on a, on a lamb that had no blemish. The whole camp was standing on the outside and as he laid his hands on the lamb, the sins of the whole congregation passed down to that lamb. Then the lamb was killed and sacrificed, and, and the high priest would walk into the Holy of Holies once a year, and he would have the blood of that lamb on his right ear, on his right thumb, and right big toe. They would put a rope on his leg just in case he didn't do things right. And people was trembling on the outside, knowing that in order for them to make it into the next year, that God had to accept the sacrifice for that year. And once every year, God held back his wrath. His holiness was satisfied. There was a fight inside of God. His holiness said, strike him dead. But his love said, no, give him mercy. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the love of God in action. I want you to know the reason why he paid the price on Calvary is because God loved us so much. I'll be honest with you. I don't know why he loves us that much. But I'm just glad that he does. I wake up in the morning sometimes not feeling too good, not, not with the right attitude. I say, Lord, you still love me? Guess what? The answer is he still loves you. Guess what? You may not be, you may not be all you ought to be. You may not be doing all that you ought to do. But once you discover that God loves you, it makes you change your attitude. There's something about the love of Jesus that makes everything okay. There's, he said that in Romans 5 and 8 that he committed his love towards us while we was yet. My, my, my brothers and sisters, you better believe in Jesus. You better know him. Why? Because we don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. On Sunday, I'm not going to go there yet. Let me hold on. God's will is to save every man. His will in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is to save every man. Matter of fact, Jesus became a ransom for our salvation. He wants you saved, but he won't make you believe. He wants you saved, but he won't make you make that choice. He wants you saved, and he even woos you to get your attention. Uh, you know what? Let me just be honest with you. I didn't come willingly. Amen. God broke me in order to make me come. 
I, I, I agree that most of us didn't come on top of the mountain. Most of us came on the, on the bottom of the barrel. Most of us came after we had no other place to turn. But aren't you glad that God broke you and made you come? Aren't you glad that God broke you enough that when you heard the word, you said, I need him. I need that. I, I was talking to a man. And this man said, man, you know, I didn't accept the Lord Jesus Christ until I was 40. I said, tell me your story. He said, man, I went to church all my life. He said, I was as good as everybody else who said they were saved. He said, As a matter of fact, the church I went to thought I was saved. He said, but... I thought that since I was as good as they were, that I definitely, if they were going to go to heaven, I'm going to go to heaven. He said, he said, he said, said, I was just morally as good as they were. He said, I didn't have a drug problem. I didn't have a drinking problem. He said, matter of fact, when I compared my life to their life, I figured, wait a minute. You know better than me. So if you're going to make it in, I know I'm going to make it in. He said, so I went to church. I read my Bible. I said my prayers, but I didn't know him. He said, but at the age of 40, something happened. So all of a sudden, I recognized that he's real. Also, I recognized that no matter how good I thought I was, I wasn't as good as I thought I was and that I needed to have a savior. He said, though I was going to church, I wasn't in the church. I was still in darkness. I went to church every Sunday, but I didn't have the joy. I didn't have the peace. Why? Because I was just going to church, but I didn't know Jesus. He said, but at the age of 40, something happened. And next thing I know, I got joy that I never had before. I got peace that I never had before. Because now I wasn't just going to church. I was part of the church. He was in me and I was in him. When you got Jesus, you don't mind telling folks. When you got Jesus, you can't help. May not feel like it, but you get up and go to church. Not to please the pastor. Not to show off your new clothes. Not because you're trying to impress somebody. Something on the inside of you tells you it's been a hard week. I need, I need Jesus. I need some song. I need some word. I need something to touch me. Because unless I go meet my Savior, I may not make it through the week. Is there anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? Is there anybody in the house know that sometimes you got to can't help this? You got to hear your song. You got to praise him. You got to hear a word. Got to hear a word. Listen, it doesn't mean that immediately you are sinless. You learn to walk in the spirit. But I tell you something. If you've really been touched by God, you can't stay the way you used to be. There's something on the inside. You can't explain it. 
all that you know that when you try to go back and do all the stuff you used to do, he'll wake you up in the middle of the night. Your conscience will bother you. God will get your attention one way or another. Keep on, keep on playing with God. One of these days, the folks that you laugh at because they were shouting, you're going to be shouting better than them. Keep on, keep on getting close to the fire. One of these days, the fire is going to catch you on fire and you're going to find yourself running around the church and wonder what's wrong with you. This joy, this joy I have on the inside. The world didn't give it the world. There was a supernatural exchange that happened on the cross. Unless you see the supernatural, then the historical Jesus is a sad story. It's a man that went around doing good and they crucified him on a whole rugged cross. But behind the scenes, reading God's word, he was a sin offering that God himself made for himself. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. Matter of fact, couldn't nobody take his life. Did you know that when they came to get him and he said, I am the Christ, that they all fell down, he could have got away. Guess what? He didn't want to get away. He was called to go to the cross. From the time he was born in Bethlehem, his course was set. His future was made. He had to go to the cross. Not for himself, but he took my place. He took your place. What should have been placed on us was placed on him. If God had a cup where his holiness turned into wrath and his wrath had to be poured out in order for his holiness to be satisfied, what God did was took an innocent person who stood in our place and he poured his wrath on him. It was not the beatings of the people that was the wrath of God. That just shows the ugliness of sin. That shows how, how, how ugly it can be. I mean, I mean, haven't you been watching the news lately? Haven't you been watching what's going on in the world? Haven't it shocked you, the stuff people can come up with? Haven't it, haven't it, haven't it made you shudder how evil man can be? How did it make you wonder what is this mystery called sin? See, see, the farther away you get from God, the worse you're going to be. You may not start off there, but, but you may end up there. That's why sin is a terrible thing to play with. Nobody intends on being that. No child born intends on being that. But once you get wrapped up in the devil's playground, you don't know how far he's going to take you. Thanks be to God that God stepped in and rescued some of us. 
Because the truth of the matter is, some folks you lick your nose down on, it would be you if God didn't rescue you. Don't ever lick your, your nose down on nobody. Because if it had not been for his grace and his mercy in our life, there could be me. Don't ever talk about somebody prostituting. You don't know if God wouldn't have rescued you. You may be out there with your own self. Oh. Don't ever talk about a drug addict or an alcoholic. If God didn't step in right on time, there would have been, there should have been, there ought to be. We, sometimes I, I shudder at the fact of the course I was going. I know I should be dead. Either somebody was going to kill me or I was going to kill somebody. But God. But God. Is there anybody in the house that got a but God experience? But God. But God. I mean, when you look back and see the court you was going, and God stepped in. See, you would have a list saying, I was this, I used to do this, I was going this way, but God. Do you have a but God experience in your life? I mean, you can point back. You may not know the hour, you may not know the day, but you know you had a but God experience. And since he stepped in your life, things have never been the same. I'm not saying everything been good, but in spite of. I mean, in spite of all the hell that's done broke loose, there's something on the inside where the devil is on your back. You can look to the hills who have come with your help for your help, your strength. Come. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me finish this. He who knew no sin became sin. What do you mean by that? He never sinned, but in spite of him never sinning, God made him the object of his wrath. Man, son, man get a phone call that his son been, been, been hit. They don't know if he's going to live or not. He was riding a bike across the street. And as, as, as the young boy was riding a bike across the street, he thought he could beat the car. It was nighttime. The man driving the car didn't see him. They, 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 they pronounced him dead. Someone brings the mangled bike to the man's house. And says, Here go your son's bike. The man takes the bike and slams the bike down. It wasn't the bike's fault. But because he was brokenhearted, he took his anger and wrath out on the object that represented the death, the hurt, the tragedy of his son. Somehow, somehow, God was able to separate himself from himself. God, the Trinity, the tribune God, was able to separate the son from the father, and the father was able to say, I love you, but I also love them. Yes, sir. 
And there's nobody else that can do for them what you can do for them. Jesus says in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, Father, make me a body. Prepare me a body so that I can go down. They was in agreement that he was the only one that could pay the price. And the father says, I'm going to make you the object of my wrath. And Jesus loved us so much, he said, I will become the object. When he's in the garden and he said, let this cup pass me, he's not talking about the cross, y'all. He ain't talking about the beating. He, 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 he ain't talking about that, but he, he, he understood that, that mercy had to be withdrawn from him. You know, whether you know God or not, his mercy got you. When you was at your worst, his mercy still was on you. Every human being that is on the face of the earth, they are still seeing the mercy of God. Oh, if you can laugh sometimes, that's God's mercy. If you can smile sometimes, that's God's. If you got some peace, even if it's a little bit of peace, that's God's. If you got some joy, I mean just a little bit of joy, that's God. See, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy keeps you while you haven't accepted grace. See, 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 before you know Jesus, mercy keeps you. And if, and if you got some, some bit of life, some bit of strength, that's God's mercy. But in hell, the demons that used to be angels, what makes them demons is they don't have God's mercy no more. Young boy is demon-possessed. They bring him to Jesus, and here he is foaming at his mouth, and he's throwing himself in fire. He's throwing himself in water, and it seems like the demon is trying to kill him. What the demon is doing is acting out who he is. Why? Because he left the presence of God. And the mercy of God has been withdrawn from him. And what he has is agony, torment. That's really the essence of what hell is all about. You think you're in hell now? No, you're not. You think it's hell down here on earth? No, it's not. Why? Because you still got mercy. Oh, you ought to shout over his mercy. But wait a minute. Did you know that mercy brings you to the door of grace? Oh, y'all really ought to shout now. If, if mercy wouldn't have kept you, grace would have never found you. But since mercy kept you till grace stepped in, now that you got grace, there ought to be more joy. There ought to be more peace. There'll be more hope. There'll be more strength. Because now that you got grace, you know Jesus is real. You know Jesus is your keeper. You know Jesus is your doctor. You know Jesus will be your lawyer. You know, you know. Y'all act like y'all don't know up in here. But, but if you know he's all that, then, then, then let somebody know that Jesus is the reason 
for today. Let me finish this up. Let me, let me finish this up. Let me, let, me, let me take this on home. He who knew no sins, he made to be the object of sin so that we may be made the righteousness of God. I don't understand this, but I know this to be true. When you are in Christ Jesus, God sees you as though you have never sinned. That's called justification. That means that somehow he, 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 he wipes, he takes the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Because the only thing that can wipe away our sin is the blood of Jesus. See, since, since blood is the issue of life, and the, and, the, and the penalty of sin is death. It takes perfect blood to justify those who don't sin. And instead of us seeing the wrath of God, Jesus saw the wrath of God. It costs something. It costs something to save you. It costs something to make you righteous. It costs something to make you right in the sight of God. It costs Jesus. I don't understand all of that. All that I know is that I'm glad he paid that cost for me. I'm, I'm glad I don't like Calvary, but I, but I, I glory about Calvary because if Jesus wouldn't have paid the price, we would have had to pay the price. But since Jesus paid the price, he poured on Jesus our sin, our messed up, our, our bad attitude. Our, our negative attitude. He poured on him everything that we have done. But glory be to God, the pouring didn't just go one way. It went two ways. He poured on Jesus what I had, but he poured on me what Jesus had. Are you on Jesus? That if you are in Jesus, God took what was on Jesus and poured it on you. Ain't that good news? the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Glory, hallelujah. You ought to shout, because at the cross, Jesus did something. He did it until the sun quit shining. He did it until his father forsaken him. He did it till the mercy left him. He did it till he said, I thirst. He did it until the world started rocking. Graves started opening. There was a curtain that separated man from God. It was made out of beaver skin. Beaver skin is thick. You can't tear beaver skin. But somehow, in the midst of the situation, something tore that curtain from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Because if it tore from bottom to top, man tore it. But since man couldn't tear, God stepped down toward the curtain and said, the way to heaven is now open for anybody that wants to come in. Whosoever will, let them come. Whosoever will, let them come. Oh, ain't that good news? No matter how bad you've been, 
no matter how messed up you are, salvation is yours. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How you know? They had the audacity to put my Jesus, your Lord, in a, in a tomb. They had the audacity to, to pull a rock, a boulder. Some said that 20 men couldn't lift this rock. Matter of fact, they had the audacity to put guards, a garrison, in front of it. Matter of fact, they didn't just put any guards. They put the baddest, shut your mouth, Roman soldiers at that place. Matter of fact, these guards were trained to protect Caesar. I mean, these boys was bad boys. They said that you could take two of them back to back and they could defeat a hundred people. They was trained. They were bad. They would shut your mouth. You bad, shut your mouth. To make sure nobody stole the body. But what they didn't count on, what they didn't know, that God was up to something. Did you know that our God is a miracle working God? Did you know it's not over till God says it over? I don't care how bad your situation looks. If you trust in the living God, if God says you're going to live, then you won't die. If God said be healed, then you're going to be healed. When God said it's time for you to come out of your bad situation, all the hell can't keep you in your bad situation. Don't you know your God is an awesome God? Oh, yes, he is. Is there anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? You know for yourself that God is a miracle-working God. God is a way-maker. God is a keeper. He'll keep you in your right mind. Did you know that if God hadn't kept you, you would have lost your mind? Let me be real honest with you. Most of us have lost our mind a time or two. But God snapped us back into our... Oh, y'all want me to go there. You know that time you were going to cut that Negro or shooting? You know that time he was asleep, you had a baseball bat over the bit? The stuff that done went through our minds, if God didn't stop you, you'd be, you'd be behind prison doors right now. You, you'd be jacked up in prison. Say, I didn't mean to. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I don't know what happened. There'd be a lot of dead folks if God didn't step in and say, no, 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 no. I got purpose. I got purpose. I know you all sweet now. I know you talk all sweet now, honey. But there was a time when honey wasn't coming out your mouth. 
See, I think we need to get for real. Because some of us act like we've been holy all of our lives. But the truth of the matter is, the same thing some of these young folks was doing, you was doing it too. They just out in the open with it. You was hidden by it. But in front of God, all of it's out in the open. Okay, it's time to go home. It's, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. Aren't you glad about God's grace? Aren't you glad that God has forgotten all that stuff? That even when you bring it up, God said, I don't remember what you're talking about. You're not too glad that God starts the page all over again every day. Don't you know that when you ask for forgiveness, it's a new blank sheet and there is no history about what you did, where you been, who you did it with, what you thought about, what you was going to do. God said, I don't remember. Covered. Covered. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Forgiven. 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 When you try to bring it up, God said, don't go get that. It's done. It's over. It's wiped out. It's under the blood. First Timothy chapter 3 gives us a, a surprise. It says after he gave himself as a sacrifice, those three days that his body was laying in the grave, his spirit went down to hell and started preaching in it. Huh? huh? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They, hell was having a party when he was on the cross. But the moment he shut his eyes and gave up the ghost, he broke, he kicked open hell's gates, walked into hell and said, now what you got to say about me? Make my day. Y'all think Clint Eastwood is bad. Y'all think Dirty Harry is bad. What you got to say about Jesus who went down in hell, told the, the devil to sit down. I got the floor now. Start preaching. I am he that was talked about. I am he that they prophesied about. I am the living Messiah. I came to set my people free. I am here. I am here. Devil, give me my keys back. Give me my power back. Give me my people back. Give me my children back. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can you imagine that he's down in hell preaching for three days? So wonder the Bible says. Graves was opening. People was getting up from the dead. The earth was shaking. 
rocks was breaking. The power of hell was being broken. He never should have killed him. But if I take that back, he didn't kill him. Jesus gave up his, they should have never put him on the cross. Because the Bible says that when you hang on a tree, you are cursed. A curse means that God's mercy has left you. He did it for you and for me. He did it for you and for me. That means that no matter what you go through, you don't have to worry about God's mercy leaving you. Did he say grace and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life? That if, that if you go to hell, God's there. That if you walk through a pit of death, God is there. That the devil's on your back, he's there. That no matter what happened to you, if you got to go through surgery, God is there. If you close your eyes on this side, you shall open it on the other side. Because Jesus paid early, early Sunday morning. For three days in hell, the devils were shaking, the imps was crying. He said, that's enough. I proved my point. You got nothing coming. Devil, roll over. Devil, roll over. Devil, play dead. The devil played dead. And Jesus now stands and says in Matthew 28, oh, power. Not some power. A power. When he says a power, he means a power. In heaven, earth, and under the earth, that's hell. Has been given only me. Guess what, church? We can shout. We can dance. We can celebrate. Because Sunday, early Sunday, very early. I believe because they said that the rock wasn't just rolled out of the way. Something picked it up and threw it out of the way. From the text, it sounds like that the rock was far away from the opening. They said 20 men could lift it. The guards fell asleep because an angel came down and fear made them faint. Here they, here they are, the baddest of the baddest. I mean, I mean the baddest of the baddest. I mean, I mean shut your mouth, bad. And an angel come down and he, You best not mess with God. You best not mess with God. You best watch your mouth about God. God will show you a little bit and blow your mind. Our God is God. Our... Listen to Philippians. Philippians says, 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 says that he, that he, that he humbled himself. That he humbled himself, and he who humbled himself became fashioned as a man. He emptied himself. He did not hold on to the glory that he had with his father. And though he was in the form of God, he let go of that and became a man. Then he humbled himself again and allowed them to nail him 
to a cross. Then he humbled himself again, and he died for you and I. I already told you that those three days, he wasn't just laying there. His spirit went down to hell and started preaching, I am he. But early come Sunday. Early come Sunday. My Jesus, your Jesus, my Savior, your Savior, my Redeemer, your Redeemer, your Waymaker. Got up, got up. Got up, got up, got up, got up, got up with all power, with all power, with all power, saving power, delivering power, healing power. Got up with all power in his hand. Philippians says, because he is Lord of Lord, because he's been given the name above every name. Every knee. Hitler got a bow. Muhammad got a bow. Farrakhan got a bow. Confucius got a bow. Everybody got a bow. The imps in hell, the demons in hell, the devil himself, you and I, guess what? I don't mind bowing then because I decided to bow now. I know who he is. I see who he is. He's Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. He is Lord of Lord. King and King, I want to know, do you know him in the house? Are you sure you know him in the house? Don't play church on me. Make sure you know him. Because if you know him, everything is going to be all right. He did it for you. He did it for me. Aren't you glad about it? Your sin's been washed away. Your sin's been taken care of. When you close your eyes on this side, you will open them on the next side. Glory. I know where I'm going, and when I get there, I got a grandma over there. I got a father over there. But guess what? But guess what? I want to see them so bad, but the first one I'm going to make my way to. I'm going to make my way to Jesus. I'm not going to ask him why I've been through so much, but I'm going to take my crown, and I'm going to throw it at his feet. And I got to thank you. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Thank you. You saved me. You kept me. You delivered me. You brought me. You forgave me. You washed me. Oh, 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 oh. He's good. He's good. Right now, right now. Oh, he's good. Sometimes he gets so good, you can't help yourself. Sometimes you got to ask people, excuse me while I take my praise break. I just been thinking how good he's been. 
Won't God put something in your remembrance that you forgot about and you thought that you kept you, but he'll show you it was him all the time? And you can be in a grocery store. You can be at a place you're supposed to be quiet. You can be driving your car. All of a sudden, tears start lapping up under your chin. And you, got, you get happy. People, you try to wipe it away to be cute. But to the women, your mascara all over your face. To the guy, you try to be manly and try, a man don't cry. A man don't cry. But get a touch of Jesus. He'll make you cry. I believe a real man know how to cry, especially when the Lord makes you cry. It's like fire shut up in your bones. I don't know what's happening. It's something on the inside that makes me say, oh, I know my God is real. There's a cost to your salvation. He paid it. He paid it. Oh, I just got one more question. I just got one more question. How, how, if he did all of this for us and you reject Jesus, when you close your eyes on this side and open it on the other side, and you see him standing there, and I believe, I believe he still got the holes in his hands. I believe he still got the holes in his feet. I believe he still got the scars of Calvary so that we can see the cost that was paid for you and for us. You know, instantly you're going to bow. Instantly, the reality of it's going to hit. I was working at IGA, and I was working there, and we was talking about Christ, and, and this guy who was a police officer, he said, well, I'm just going to wait till I get there. I said, it's too late then. He said, why is it too late? I said, because you got to come by faith. And if you're already there, you have already chosen that you didn't want him, though he wanted you. If you come, he will no wise cast you out. But if you don't come and death catch you before, then you already made your choice. I don't know about you, but ever since I've known Jesus, he's been the best thing that ever happened to me. I think that there's some other saints in the house that would say the same thing. I think there's some other saints that would say, though it's been hard, though I had to cry sometimes, though the devil been throwing everything at me, he's still the best thing that ever happened to me. The best thing you can do today is give your life to Jesus. It's not you having it all together because you can't get it together. That's why he died on Calvary, was to set us free. Today, it's about your God, your Savior, and you having a personal relationship with him. It's not about anything else. 
It's about a king, his kingdom, and those that's been brought out of darkness into knowing him. Today, don't you want to know him? Don't you want to know whether he's real or not and see what he can do in your life? He said, like, well, brother, I'm not that bad when well, you're not that good. You need him. We all need him. And today, if God is pulling at your heart, if God is, is, is just, do you feel it on the inside? You can't even look at me. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm calling you. I'm begging you. I died for you. I paid the price for you. I paid a cost for you. Come on. Come and see what I got for you. Today, if you're here, don't let nobody stop you. Don't let nobody stop you. Get up from your seat and, and come on. Come get what God has for you. You got to press your way. You got to make your way. You got to either, either you need somebody to hold you up. Come on. As we stand. If you're here today. If you're here today. If you're here today. The devil is a liar and the truth is not in him.